0: Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash Fit Athlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about some of our current thoughts on blood flow restriction training and how we're using it here at Champion. The Ask Mike Reinold Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reinhold Show. We're up in Boston, Massachusetts, a champion PT in performance. Mike Scannudo, Dan Pope, Dave Tilley, Lenny McCrina answering all your great questions. Head to MikeReynolds.com and click on that podcast link, and there's a big form you can fill out. You can ask us anything you want, PT, fitness, sports performance, anything you guys want to talk about. Leonard.
1: I so sorry, I was using
0: CCCI. C- you need yeah. a nickname as the CCCI. So Len's the Kai. Kai. Student curriculum. Kai. K- K- C- L- yeah. Len. Who are our fabulous students? Our fabulous us students.
1: Today? We have Shelly Anderson from Augusta like the University, is right. <laughs> Augusta Georgia University of Physical Therapy in Augusta Georgia. We also have Cameron McDonald from University of Rhode Island. Not have a farm. Fun fact about Cam. He thinks the best place to vacation on the Cape okay, is Plymouth, Massachusetts, which is nowhere close to Cape Cod. So, <laughs> look at the map. Do you
0: know anything about New England? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <It> was self-proclaimed <laughs> greater, greater Cape Cod area. Those ones, so. Nice. Yes, it is Cape
0: within Cod. the United States. Yes. You were you were close. I like this place called Miami. Miami. It is uh, it Near is a Cape, very very convenient yes. place to go to. So, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Who's gonna start today? We got uh, Killa Killa Cam. Yeah. yeah. Cam.
2: We have Kevin, Kevin from Virginia. <laughs> How often do you use blood flow restricted training? Is it more useful in a performance setting or rehab setting or
0: both? What was this person's name? I'm sorry. Kevin. Kevin, so Virginia. Kevin asked about blood flow re- restriction training. Berfer? and BFR. Prefer and um you know i thought this would be a good opportunity for us to kind of talk about like our current thoughts on bfr and where we are right now because it's evolving right we're we're learning more right we're we're starting to get more reps and experience using it so i think that's uh that's been helpful too and um you know i i I think we're starting to understand a little bit better and i think we kind of get where that is so so let's use this episode and let's kind of talk about what are our current you know, thoughts on the state of BFR? So let's start with his first question maybe and says, is this just a rehab tool? Is this a fitness tool or is this both? Dan, you wanna take this one? What do you, you wanna start? So yeah. BFR, Bf, first off, I will answer. <laughs> we all use it here at Champion. We've, we've all been using it for some time now. Uh, I think in a general, we've enjoyed it, right? And I think we're seeing some benefits. So um, we do all use it. So Dan, I mean, is it is this just a rehab thing or is there is there a place to use this in healthy people or people looking for performance?
2: Yeah, I'd say both, you know, easy answer. Um, one thing I will say, just kind of piggyback off what you said, is that we get a lot of kind of toys here and we try a lot of things here, which is great. And blood flow, for me, is something that's really stood the test of time. And it stood the test of time from a couple places. So from a rehab perspective, I've been using it for, I don't know, about a year and a half or so. And I've used, I've used it regularly in my own training, at least like once a week, for probably the past year, year and a half as
0: well. Um, I think the results speak for themselves, <laughs> oh, right? See this? Yeah. Um, oh, see this? Oh, I didn't do it. Yeah. notice yeah. how he didn't let it fall down. Yeah, He's just keeping it up. <laughs> like, keep
2: going. Um, I think it's useful for both, but I will say that the rehab is probably the stronger place. You know. Okay. Um, so the thing is, it's helpful for a lot of athletes when they have a painful joint, when they want to load the muscle some, Ooh, or after surgery when you don't want to lose muscle, right? I think that's a really big one that um, blood flow suits for. Um, from performance perspective, I think it's helpful for building muscle mass. So if you're looking to build more muscle mass, it's helpful. But a lot of sports are not necessarily looking for a lot of muscle mass, right? Right. Um, I think the big thing is that if you let's say you're into fitness and you have some aches and pains somewhere, right? So if you train for long enough, you're going to find certain joints just don't really handle the stress as well as others. Blood flow restriction is tremendous for that, right? So if you have achy elbows, let's say, and you still wanna be able to train your arms, you can do blood flow restriction for your biceps, for your triceps. Um, I have a history of having pain in my hips. I can't really squat as much. If I could squat more frequently, would that make me stronger? Probably, but I can still get some good lower body volume training by doing blood flow restriction, right? Same thing would go for any other body part. I really think that it's got a lot of application for a lot of joints, not just the ones that have been studied. So, yeah, I like it. I think it's got a lot of application. It fits its way well into a lot of programs uh, for a variety of reasons. Alright, let's
0: stick on the fitness aspect before we get to rehab, because I think, I, honestly, I think the rehab implications are larger, right? I think, they're, I think it's pretty, there's, there's some pretty exciting things about how this could be useful in the rehab world. Uh, but, you know, in the fitness world then, uh, what do you think, Dan? Is it mostly for strength? Is it mostly for hypertrophy? Is it aesthetic? Is how does somebody use this to get more out of themselves? And anyone jump in if they have some thoughts on this here? Yeah, I really think it depends on your goals, right? There's been one
2: study with blood flow restriction training for powerlifters, which was kind of interesting. I think it was like twelve weeks where they had them do blood flow restriction training, something like that. I'm probably getting the time frame wrong, but they had uh, the group that was doing blood flow only did blood flow for two of those weeks, right? So it's like train. Both groups train the same for the first first week. Second week, uh, one group does a normal powerlifting training, the other group does all blood flow restriction training. It was like front squats. They were just looking at the squat, I think, so front squats. And then the third week, regular training again for both, fourth was one did blood flow, the other did regular training, and what they found is that at the end of that training um, experiment, the one group that did blood flow restriction training had larger increases in muscle mass where the powerlifting group that did just powerlifting had no change. They tested their strength again, and their strength was the same, right? Mm -hmm. What was interesting about that is the muscle growth was in type 1 fibers preferentially, right? Interesting. Which you can argue, like, that's not a great thing, and their strength didn't increase, right? But if you look at it from the perspective of, oh, wow, we actually built some more muscle mass. Maybe over the course of time, that will lead to more strength. We don't know that yet. They didn't study it. I was thinking that, yeah. The other thing is that you could actually not hit super heavy weights for two weeks out of, like, a three-month block and still have the same amount of strength. So that has enormous implications for people that can't really tolerate as much heavy, heavy loading. We can take away that heavy load for two weeks, still have the same strength gain. So I think if you look at that study and say, well, there's no difference in strength from that perspective uh, for a power lifter, I think it's not really giving
0: Uh, I I think a lot of people got that out of that study, too, and a lot of people said that where, um, oh, well, it's not any better than just powerlifting. (laughs) And look, there's a lot of people, again, this is like the Instagram debates right now, that'll say, well, it doesn't show that it's any better. You don't get stronger. But what they're completely missing is this person deloaded, so to say, and probably took a lot of stress off their body. That's (laughs) going to probably be very impactful for them. Right, and they got to do this and still maintain strength. Right, so everybody wants to see is there a difference down the road? Is there a difference at the end? Well, maybe that's not the only thing we need to measure. We talk about what happened to these people's lives and how they felt. So, uh, great, great, uh, you know, analogy for stuff like that. Uh, uh, rehab wise, now we're using it a bunch in rehab, and you know, to make it completely simple as to why we're doing it, you know, what we're trying to do essentially with the body is when somebody can't load maximally, which is almost every injury, right? Like every injury, every post-op, everybody in any procedure. If you can't load maximally, it's gonna be really hard to get strength gains, right? So blood flow restriction allows us to load at a smaller percentage of their max intensity and still get some similar kind of tricks to the body to like it's to still increase their strength, right? So what's happening is, is we're allowing the body to still get some strength adaptations with less of a max intensity effort. So Dave, quickly, why is that what do you think i know you know the answer yeah so there's and this is actually gonna this is my point anyways is that
3: our initial concerns with blood flow restriction training is that there's two main pathways of hypertrophy there's a metabolic and a more of a mechanical stimulus they have different you know genetic pathways that turn over tissue so you want to make sure that you're not only training the metabolic one because sports involve high mechanical loads so our initial fear was going with blood flow restriction training and maybe not just getting a good strength program and so you'd set somebody up more for cartilage issues or tendon issues because you haven't strengthened the interfaces of those new muscles that are stronger and so that was our initial concern I think now again pendulum swings it goes super far one way people say yeah it's a good tool but you still have to strengthen and from our experiences I have two athletes who had ACL reconstructions and they went back to their doctor after six months and they had done BFR initially for post-op and maybe a month into their training, but then transitioned to a full strength program. And the, the doctors who did their isokinetic testing were like, well, these are great numbers, we've never seen such high numbers, and obviously that's so many factors, like the athlete's dedication, and sure. uh, you know, they follow the program, but, I think when you take it in concert of like okay metabolic training effects and mechanical stimulation both are important can you blend those into a program and like Dan said maybe have it as a one time per week thing when you get farther down the road that's a really good way to maybe kind of marry those two things together and not get so caught up in, you know only using it for everything or saying like no it doesn't
0: help right you know I think it's probably more together than apart and I don't think we're like a champion I don't think we're necessarily using it as a, as a tool in isolation right yeah. it's like a helpful tool in, in this in this part part it all comes down to the 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 occlusion right so the occlusion of the limb right through these cuffs right and occlusion is a bad word because it's not full occlusion right we have a percentage of occlusion right these different cuffs and even your ability to do that is you can change the occlusion rate Right? So the majority of research is being done at one occlusion rate, which is 80%, right? And it's, it's being done that way because you have to standardize it. But realize that you can use whatever occlusion rate you want. When Dan just exercised, he was just working out before we started filming this podcast, he did a full workout with occlusion it was zero it was 0% occlusion right but he had 0% occlusion right and then somebody on the other end you could put like a complete tourniquet on right or do something like that and you can have 100% occlusion and realistically somewhere in that spectrum right you're going to get different amounts of occlusion and you're going to get different responses Right. So there isn't like one set way to use it, right? If you have too little occlusion and you go do an exercise, you won't have as much of a benefit because you're not gonna see you're not gonna feel the fatigue, your body's not gonna have that same metabolic response. Right. And exactly right. So you're losing much less loads, right? So it's not a mechanical stimulus and there's no occlusion, so there's no acidity buildup, it's right. not a metabolic workout, you just it's not enough. Moving. So you have to use more reps. Now yeah. Dan with zero percent occlusion had to use more weights. Yeah. He could have used more weights or he could have used more reps. And he would have gotten to that point but it might have taken them, not infinite but a lot more reps or a lot more weight to get to that same point. So that's kind of what we're trying to find here, at Chambers. We're trying to find like where that occlusion rate is, because we've had people like initially post-op with ACLs. We put it on and we do something. They, I don't want to say they feel nothing, but they don't. You can tell that you can tell they're not challenged enough afterwards. So with that person, we either need to uh, in, uh, kind of enhance a little bit of the occlusion, or they need to do more, right? They need to do more reps, or they need to do something. So there is a diminishing return, though, right? You may have an injury, say it's like a tendinopathy. You might not want to do... do 30, 15, 15, 15, like some of the protocols say in the research, or 30, 30, 30, which some of the protocols say in the research, that's 75 to 90 reps. It's a lot of reps, right? Like, we may not want to do that in a certain person, right? So, you know, I think what we're seeing out there is we're starting to learn the research and we're trying to figure out exactly how to apply it and not get stuck in one kind of methodology. I really
2: do feel, and this is one of the things I've moved away with personally with my own training and also with my patients, is that I like the idea of the 30-30-30 and 30-15-15-15, um, but my thoughts are just, you know, what we're probably doing is we're taking someone close to failure. I mean, if you go to the gym and you put, let's say, like your deadlift max is 500 pounds and you do 225 and you just do sets of five every time, there's, that doesn't make any sense. You're not challenging your system in any way. So that 30 15 15 maybe that fits if you pick the exact right weight. The other thing is I think that we're we're probably just pushing someone close to failure. Right. And if you use more occlusion, you hit failure faster, right? right? If you use less occlusion, you're going to hit it, you know, with more repetitions later or more so weight. You got to you got to use more weight. Yeah, so just like you said, we we can dose it appropriately as long as that person is challenging themselves
0: enough, right. you know. I think that's the future of BFRs, us figuring that out is we're manipulating kind of three variables, right? The reps, the load, and the amount of occlusion, and I think putting those three together somewhere is where we're gonna is where we're gonna try to figure this out and where that's gonna go, and that may have an impact on rehab versus fitness too, on kind of where they do it. Uh, but man, I, I don't know. Anecdotally, Len, you've been using it a bunch. I mean, anecdotally, what are your thoughts? What do you you mean? You're seeing some good improvements? Yeah, right? I do
1: see good improvements. Um, I think I, I hear it from my clients too that they like it. They like to feel that burn. They come in afterwards and they feel sore like the next day or two days later. They like that feeling. So. Um, you know I think we know the physiological effects to it and at least we're figuring it out and learning more but I've added it I like it I use it for all my most of my post-ops especially lower extremity ones I don't use it a lot for upper extremity just you know full disclosure I just don't I see a lot of baseball players so I just don't um, but definitely lower body definitely had positive results with some of the systems that we have
0: Yeah. So anybody, I mean, so, I mean, I think that was, I think that's good. I think we answered the question. I mean, that's kind of like our current thoughts on BFR. Yeah. We've had at least one other episode in the past where we've talked a little bit more about BFR that you should probably go back and uh, watch or listen to just kind of hear more about that. But I think that's kind of like our current thoughts on where we're going. Mm -hmm. I know as a plan with us, I mean, we, we plan on using it more and more, right? I mean, I, I, it's kind of hard for me to find a reason not to use it in a post-operative person. Right? And we're seeing so many people, ACLs or you know whatever, that just have lingering strength deficits down the road, right? Maybe this is something that we can do a little bit better. You know, we can do better, so. Any other closing thoughts, anyone? Pretty good. Nice. All right. So very good. Good question on BFR. That's kind of like our current thought process. And you know, look, we're still learning too. And we're going to be the first to tell you that. So we're going to keep like updating this and changing, you know, what we think um, as we learn more, because I, I, I think there's still a lot more to be learned. Learn, Learned? learnt, learnt. Is learnt a word in the South? Turned up. In Europe. In learned Europe? learnt. I feel like this is Googleable. We can find this. You agree. But anyway, (laughs) awesome. Great episode. Thanks so much. Head to MikeRynell.com. Click on that podcast link and fill out the form. You can ask us some great questions. And be sure to head to iTunes, Spotify, and rate, review, and subscribe to this. And we'll see you in a future episode. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRynell.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify,